Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? This is El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino. This is Real Everyday People. I want to thank everybody for staying tuned. Uh, staying tuned to 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 the watching us grow and contributing, you know, by sharing and subscribing, you know, with your family, friends and loved ones and helping us, you know, accomplish our goal and accomplish our mission. Um, you know, today I'm feeling really good, you know, a little bit sore, but you know, today was my first day where I finally made up my mind I was going to go go and um, you know, get some exercise, work out and get started, you know, start really taking care of myself. You know, I really live a hectic life so like so many other people, you know, people who are working, some people have double jobs and just other priorities, projects and other stuff they got going on in their lives. So, you know, my life is constantly hectic, always busy, man. And sometimes we neglect ourselves, you know, and we got to always make time uh, to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, you know, check in and stay tuned and make balance mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And, you know, everything been good in my life. But since I've been home after serving 17 years, you know, I've been eating everything in sight. You know what I mean? So I've been over here built like a gallon of milk. But, you know, I'm like, you know, I got to uh, I got to do something, man, to get myself together, man. So, you know, I'm really proud of myself. And, you know, for those who made those commitments to themselves, man, and you really ain't ain't been able, you know, you need that extra push to get to it, man. Like, it's all worth it because I feel so good about myself, you know, okay. and it gives you clarity, man. So, you know, like, like get to it. So, um, you know, I, you know, I got my, got my cousin here, man, Xavier Mendez, man. What up, what up, what up? How y'all my doing man. tonight? Yeah, out here showing love with Big Cuz. Real people, we're about to spit shit. Let y'all know what's up. Ain't no doubt about it, man. You know, I, I I love I love being able to have my cousin here because you know the last time I had seen him, you know, he he was he was a baby, you know, and then later on in life we ran into each other in prison, and um, you know, automatically it was like it was like. You know, like we never missed a beat with each other. You know, it was all love. And he was in a level two and I was in a level one at Adrian. And while I was at Adrian, I was um, facilitating all kinds of programs, um, youth programs. and Bridging and, the gap. Yup, bridging the gap. So, yes, uh, so yup, they chose me to... Um, to, to facilitate one of the youth classes from level one and I got him in the youth class so we can be able to build. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, I was just so grateful to be able to have that time with them, to build with them, you know, just to give them some insight, you know, to catch up on things. And, and, and so for us to both be home now today and, you know, be where we're at today, like I'm really proud of that, man. And, and I always tell man, you know, I'm just scratching the surface. Man. We're just getting started, bro. Right. So without no further ado, man, you know, tell them a little bit about yourself, cuz. Where All you right. from? I'm Xavier Mendez. Uh, I'm from Southwest Detroit. Uh, rapping this shit. I the plug. Uh, out there on social media, you can follow me on Instagram. Rap for the plug. Every word has a hundred. A lot of underscore. I know. <laughs> but uh, trying to get this uh, message out to everybody, man, you know. Oh, side of coming from background, poverty, good life. Stuff that people house. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from. Uh, tell us a little bit about your parents, you know what I'm saying, or where they're from, and My, uh, how you came up. Well, family, we, moms came from Southwest, Pops, so, uh, moms and Pops split up, and I was born, oh, eight, so, I never got the, that part of life, mom and dad being together, so, uh, my mom, Married to uh, uh, Tony Valdez, which was, and when I was younger, dude, I, I used to hate, I used to really, honestly, taught me a lot of life lessons. I, I couldn't, but my mom and pops, mom tried to. Keep us sheltered, you know, keep us away from that hood life. 
But it was inevitable. You couldn't keep us away from that because of my pop side of the family. My mom was hood. Don't get it twisted. But she wanted better. You know, mm-hmm. not that my father didn't want better, because mm-hmm. he did. You Absolutely. and I both know that. Mm-hmm. But you know, my my father was stuck in his ways. You know, so growing up, moms try to keep us away from that life. She used to keep us away from our family, my cousins and everybody. She she didn't like that shit. It's it's kind of fucked up, you know, because I'm real close with my family. I love my cousins. I'm all from my family. Period. I ride with them right or wrong. So, pops, pop spot, you know that that was a spot. You remember? You know so you said you used to spend your weekdays with yeah, your mom, week- Monday through Friday, and then on the weekends, <clears throat> you were telling me how you used to go spend with your dad, you and your brother, right? Yep. So, moms, you know, school week, we were at mom's crib, and weekends we go to pops. Pops crib was, you know, it was lit, dog. I had an awesome childhood growing up at my pops' house when pops was out, you know, before. Mm-hmm. He had went away, but it was awesome, dude. I honestly, I had an amazing childhood. A lot of traumatic things has happened, but I had a good childhood, man. I we're very family oriented. You know what I'm saying? So, so t- t- tell them what part of the neighborhood that your family's from. So we're from Southwest Detroit, where uh, I grew up over on Brandon and Junction, and then Morel Toledo. I uh, spent a little bit over on the other side, over on Spring Wells, uh, mm-hmm. Green area, Senator and Green, Navy and Green. Uh, but mainly, grew up over there, uh, over by Morrell, Verner, Toledo Street. That's basically where we grew up. Mm-hmm. So what was it like, like having to transition? Like, you know, you said you're with your mom. You know, she had rules. She had curfews for you. Um, you know, she made sure you guys went to school. You studied. You know what I'm saying? She always tried to keep you guys away, you know, from the street life. But, you know, when you go to your dad's house, now, you know, all bets are off. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, you know, is, 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 is turned up. The freaks come out at night. You hear that? <laughs> So, yeah. It was, and that's the uh, house over there on Morrell, yes. right, that we're talking about. It okay. was very disciplined at my mother's house. You know, like I said, my mom really tried to keep us away from that. And how, and how has that benefited you, like, today? Like, some of the lessons. Tell me some of the lessons your mother taught you and then some of the lessons your father taught you that, are, that you apply to yourself okay. today. See, well, moms, she taught me to be a gentleman, you know, have, be respectful to my elders, common courtesy. Uh, table manners, mm-hmm. them life lessons, you know, that you need to be a fucking gentleman, you know, not no savage. So mm-hmm. she she did raise me well. I could say that. My mom did teach me good good lessons in life. My stepfather, he taught me a lot of responsibilities. That's he good. definitely did. You know, he mm-hmm. was uh, very stern and strict my whole life. You know, that's why I mentioned I really... Bumped head to head with him when I was young, you know what I'm saying? And that's because you kind of grew up with no rules. Exactly. And now you're at a place where you got rules, so it became a conflict of interest. Exactly. But now that you're older, you see that all these rules were in place for for your best interest. Tony had impacted my life a lot, and I I can't appreciate him and thank him enough, honestly. What is one of the things that he taught you? that you apply to your life? Or is there a certain way that you see yourself or see people or see the world or see life in general due to what he, you know, what he contributed to your life? So, he had, honestly, great fucking work ethic. As long as, Tony's been a great provider. And that's one thing. Not saying that my father, I'm not trying to talk down my dad. My dad was a great provider, but he provided in other ways. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Tony was legit, straight collar. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that man worked, and he worked a lot. He did a lot for our family, my mother, myself, my big brother Mario, uh, and he also had a, a son with my mother named Anthony and a daughter named Samada. But he was a, he was a great role model, honestly. Okay, that's dope. So, what about your father? Now, you say so, you go with your dad. 
and now you 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 know you run around you doing what you want to do like what were your some of your experiences some of the things that you've seen some of the things that you've done you know and then going back home like taking that reckless behavior that you applied or practiced over here and then getting it back home like like did your mind have to start over with you every time you came back from your dad you know what I'm saying oh, did you did you have to you know get readjusted real quick when mom's See, like you ain't at your dad's no more you're back home right. tighten up so I tighten you up. I had I had a <laughs> I had a defiant problem. I was very defiant when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I was bad. Doctors diagnosed me with some shit called ODD. I think oppositional defiant disorder. Mm -hmm. Basically to me, now that I'm an adult, it's basically an excuse for children to act out. That's what I feel it is. But I feel that it comes from, you know, the traumatic and stress and stuff that I went through as a child. You know what I'm saying? For me to lash out and act out like that. But I can't even actually remember why I used to be the way I was, you know? You know, you were even telling me that, like, even when you went to elementary school, like, you were in several different schools because you kept getting in fights all the time and and you kept getting expelled from schools at a young age. And, you know, know, I know a lot of, of friends of mine who have kids who are in school right now or grandkids who are struggling with the same thing. They're fighting, you know, uh, always in school. Like, they're very violent. They're very aggressive. Some, you know, are, are bullying kids and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I believe in the concept of learned behavior. You know what I'm saying? So you had to have seen these things somewhere. Like, you know, like me growing up, I, you know, I seen domestic violence early. You know, I seen sexual situations. You know, I've seen, you know, drugs, guns, violence, you know, through movies, through real life, you know. And, uh, and all that stuff molded, molded my character, molded my belief system. And I know that you've been around a lot. I know that you've seen a lot, you know, and been through a lot. And w- whether, whether you chose it or it was just imposed on you, I know, you know, what you, what you have been through, you know, in, in many cases. And, um, and, you know, so I'm just happy to see the growth in you, though. You know what I'm saying? To see that, you know, you reached the point where you're holding yourself accountable, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and restructuring your life, restructuring your belief system, rebuilding your character, you know what I'm saying? And and, and striving to become better and, 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 and be the best that you can be. And and it's definitely a process for sure, you know what I mean? Right. But um, you know, the fact is that, that you on the journey, you on the road, and you on the road to success, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Yeah. So so like what was it that was so fun about being at your dad's house? So Pop Spot, man. It was a spot, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. People in and out, you know, all my dad's homeboys, females, strippers, uh, <laughs> everybody's kids, you know what I'm saying? We ain't had no rules, shit was popping. We was on a block to three, four in the morning doing whatever, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Bro, I, I have so many fucking memories as a kid. Fucked up shit that kids shouldn't go through, you know, or kids shouldn't experience at such an early age, but... We were smoking weed. I was six years old. My older brother was 10. And the older cousins were 12, 13, 14. We were still in the roaches, breaking them bitches down, smoking Mm -hmm. them off the boats. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was six. I was influenced by the older. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just went with the motion. It became a cycle. You know, because... your brothers and cousins that was 12 and 13, they were learning from the cousin that was exactly. 15 and 18 and, you know, and so on and Listen, so on. And it's just a cycle of lifestyle that's handed down to you. Let me tell you something. Growing up, you know, kids play cops and robbers. Mm-hmm. We used to play robbers and dope dealers. We used to take Pops Burner's phones. Nobody wanted to be the cop. Hey, bro. nobody wanted to be the cop. You hear me? I wanted to be that taker. Diamond, nigga. I want that shit. Diamond. <laughs> but, hey, <laughs> we used to run around with the suitcases with fucking bags of flour, little straps, fake guns, my dad's burner cell phones. Shit, true story, man. Shit like a movie. I ain't even gonna hold y'all up. Shit real. But that was normal to us. You know what I'm saying? Because that shit that we seen, not only that I see my pops doing shit like that, you know, we are influenced also by the movies. Mm-hmm. Man, come on, Painted mm-hmm. Fool, Scarface, mm-hmm. all the classics, Blood and oh, Blood man. Out, Scarface American Me. influenced a lot of people. You know, so I had a lot of bad influences growing up, you know, but it was normal to me. It was, and it still is normal to me. You and, know, and, and look, no big the, deal so, the, me. the whole idea of this show is because, 
you know, there's a lot of people who are prejudiced. They will prejudge you according to your outside texture, to what you look like. You know what I'm saying? But you just don't know the story, you know, because it's easy to sit here and judge and say how a person's savage and how they're, you know, inhumane or how could they think or live like this. But the thing about it is, you know, if I'd have grew up where you grew up and you would have grew up where I grew up, maybe you'd have understanding or maybe you would, your life would have turned out different and maybe my life would have turned out different. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so sir. all I'm asking is just for people to be a little bit more open-minded, to be more understanding, to be more courteous, to know that, you know, not to judge people by their cover because, you know, whatever this brother went through, that lifestyle was given to him. And I spoke a couple times about my cousin Mito. And he was the same way. By the time he was two years old, he knew every gang sign in the neighborhood, you know. And these were lifestyles that were passed down. These were cycles that were passed on. You know what I'm saying? And you don't know better. You're just grabbing the torch and moving forward with it, you know. And well, and for some, there are some who have become stagnant in their life. And they're still living that life. You know what I mean? And then it makes me feel good to see people who have been through it. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're striving for something better. You know, of course, yeah, dude. Like, see, I, what what I'm, are some of the traumatizing things though that you think that you know really impacted your life? You know, throughout your youth and and your adolescence. The biggest thing that impacted my life, honestly, was my father going to prison. That shit, that shit tore me down, fucked me up. You know what I'm saying? And it made me such an angry child. I just used to lash out my classmates, family members. I was an angry person. I was bitter. I was sour. I missed my pops. You know what I'm saying? He went in. I was born in 94. He went in in 01. I was six, seven, turning seven years old, you know? So to lose your father at that age, not many people can relate to that, but there's a lot that can. It's fucked up and it's traumatic, dude. You know what I'm saying? Was Was there ever a point in your life where you felt like you had to fill your dad's shoes when he was gone? Most definitely. So my pops, be- because of his reputation, my pops got a name. Mm-hmm. You know, what's understood and got to be explained. Y'all know who Mario Mendez is if you're from that way. Point blank, period. So, you know, I kind of try to live in his shadow, you know, mm-hmm. and fill his shoes, like you said. It's pops. You know, I I, I got to hold a certain expectation out here, you know. So I always try to hold it down and try to. Be like my dad. Mm-hmm. That's, that was, growing up, I always wanted to be just like Pops. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I really looked up to that shit. You know, that shit was real. I loved it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's all I seen my whole life was that type of action. Drugs, mm-hmm. money, that fast life. You know what I'm saying? So, it was just normal. And that's really what I know. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. You know, there was a, you know, even a, a tragic, you know, incident that, that occurred at that at that same location, you know, prior to me going to prison. The house and, fire? Yeah, the house fire, bro. And, um, you know, you know, the devil don't take no breaks, man, you know, and and and, and the devil, he, he doesn't play fair. He ugly. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, it really broke my heart to see, you know, my little cousins, you know get get burnt up the way that they did you know what i mean um you know that's humane inhumane that's you know that's savage you know and but but you know um they're alive today you know and and they're making the best of their lives you know what i mean and and um you know i'm happy to see them able to smile in life you know and 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 move forward with their lives you know but that that destroyed a lot of lives a lot of people and that just shows the reality of, of where we're from, you know, and how people think and how people live and, and the belief systems that it's okay, you know, to kill your kids, burn your kids, your mother. You know, that's how animals think, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and and I used to think that way, too. I used to think it was okay, you know, until I started to practice empathy. Started, I, started, I became more humane. And, and I became more humane in the most inhumane place. In prison. You know? The jungle. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that house fire was very traumatic for my family. You know, uh, my cousin Aaron, he was 16 months old, not even a year and a half old, set on fire. Old body fucking flamed.
It's real everyday people. These are real stories. This is why we do this. We ain't doing it for the fame. We ain't doing it for none of that. We're doing it for growth. We're doing it for healing. We're doing it to bring peace to our neighborhood. How can we bring peace anywhere else when we can't even get along in our own neighborhood? You know, uh, and then his sister Sita also, right? Cousins. So those were Nelly's kids. Okay. Uh, my dad's sister. Uh, Aaron was set on fire like a flaming ball of fire. Uncle carrying him out the house, skin melting. Lost his first leg, first leg, at a year and a half years old. Not even two years old. You know, he doesn't even know what it's like to walk normal with two fucking legs. You know what I'm saying? That's fucked up. That shit is deep. You know, and uh, that shit's been a problem his whole life. He's burnt his whole body. Besides his chest and his private area, those are the only places that ain't get hit. But he's had so many health issues, his hands, over the years. You know, he was a child, so you grow, your skin grows. Mm-hmm. His skin's burnt. When your skin burns, it gets tight. So every so often, he has to go out of state and go see a specialist. His hands start to crinkle up over time, and they got to cut. His fingers, the skin, to release, to straighten back out. When he was about 12, 13, he lost his second leg. Mm. His other leg kept getting, it kept getting infected and all types of shit. So, now my cousin, he's 22, 23 years old. He ain't got no legs. It's kind of fucked up that, you know, the life that our parents chose to live. Yeah. And the background that we come from, you know, it was... Look what resulted out of in, that. In, 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 in one know? situation, two people were killed, three people were burned, a house was lost, mad, so many victims, then people that were hurt, in, you, impacted you by this. You mentioned Sita, my cousin, also, not, I'm not trying to leave her out or anything, she got burnt as well. It wasn't as bad as Aaron's, Aaron's but it was still the same trauma mm-hmm. from her heel all the way up, her left leg, left side of her back to her shoulders. You know what I'm saying? And Our prayers are with you for healing mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. You know that I could only... We love you. We're thinking about you. Try to put yourself in their shoes. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's, that's but that, But that, them kind of experiences, how they impact your life today. You know what I'm saying? As an adult, how it impacted their lives. You know? Just how people see life in general after something like that. You know? It was really sad. It was really unfortunate, Seriously. man. Everything that we've seen, everything that we've experienced, how we've been traumatized, you know, through the experiences. Um, and, and you know, where do we go from here, you know? Um, also, you mentioned about your father going to prison. And then yeah. later on in life, you ended up in prison, right? Yes, sir. So, look. My pops to the joint. 2001. I was six years old. I was turning seven. Uh, he got sentenced to 15 years. He ended up doing 12 and a half with good time. He was, uh, it was federal. So that that was a big impact in my life, man. That shit honestly fucked me up. So when, you know? when your father went away, like what male figures did you have in your life? Like for you and your brother? Like- so when my father went to prison. All right. So when my mom and my dad split up. Shortly after that, as far back as I can remember, I was about three, four, and she was marrying my stepfather, Tony Valdez. And uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? Uh, the question was, um, damn, what was the damn question? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sitting here waiting for you. To I know, right? <laughs> uh, anyways, man, we just go move the, the on father figure. Thing, oh yeah, the right? father figure. Yeah. So my what failed? Yeah, that's what it was. My father went to prison when I was seven, and, you know, my stepdad was there to have to step up to the plate. So a lot of the life skills that I learned and the father figure roles that I learned that I use now with my children came from Tony Valdez, my stepdad. And like I said, mentioned earlier, I, I, I really, really hated him. I was a very angry child, and I, I didn't like that guy at all. And when I turned about 16, 17, you know, I started maturing into a man. 
I started realizing the things that he's done for me mm-hmm. and the way he has impacted my life. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm 27, I got three daughters, shit's like I see a lot. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. man taught me to be a great father to my children. Mm-hmm. Point blank period. Because like, I tell you what, you a hell of a man if you can love another child like your own. Like my stepdad, you know, I got I got two brothers. My you know, my stepdad was Cubano, and uh, you know, he raised me and loved me like his own. He loved me like he loved my brothers, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I I think that all great men that can love a child that is not theirs is is, is a great man and a good father. Sure, indeed. See, I'm married mm-hmm. with my wife. I have one child. Mm-hmm. Without my wife, I have two biological children. My first daughter, Mila, she's seven. My stepdaughter, Carmen, she's six. And then I have a newborn. Well, she's not so much new no more, but she was, she's 11 months. Okay. She just turned 11 months. So, Tony showed me a lot, you know, and I used a lot of his life lessons towards my daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't have that fear in my life. Like what? Give I, us an example. So... He, he also was, the reason why my mom, I believe, was so big on manners and stuff like that. Tony's old school. Let me start with this, actually. Tony is like 15, 20 years older than my mom. So my mom was in her 20s. He was damn near 40, 40 years old in his mm-hmm. early 40s, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he was came, grown already. Exactly. He came from a whole different background. Old, old, old school. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So his parents were very strict. And also, his, his parents came from, like, a military background. So, he, it, it was like boot camp, you know what I'm saying? Being a stepchild to him. Mm-hmm. Because all he did was show us what he was taught mm-hmm. growing up. And, you know, that was a different time and age. Do you think you know? that, that, that using the term stepchild kind of builds a barrier in the relationship? Where you talk yourself down into feeling no. fully, like, you know... Listen, because I don't call like my brother step brothers or none of that. Like, no, I, these are my brothers, and that's my step, dad is my dad, and my step, father is my father. You know what that's I mean? That step shit. But a Listen. lot of people who put that in their mind, they yeah. automatically build a barrier because they don't feel like they fulfilled by fully acceptance. You know, by full full acceptance. So, I just think that when you take that that term out, step. You know what I'm saying? It kind of takes the barrier out the way where you can make a better connection. I feel what you're saying because look. With my stepdaughter, Carmen, I hate calling her my stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel right because it's my daughter or she's not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's my daughter. Okay. I love her to death. And our relationship, dude, we're like, mm-hmm. if y'all are my friends on Facebook, you can see how tight me and Carmen are. Mm-hmm. We're ace boom coons. You know what I'm saying? She's mm-hmm. my ride or die. So so tell us about how you landed in prison. How did you, how did you get to prison? So growing up, you know, not having a father. My mother, she sent me to my step-grandma's. I was 12. Then I went to my aunt's. So, all right, let me let me backtrack. My father went to the feds. We moved out to Ypsilanti. Mm-hmm. My stepfather got this house in some suburbanite neighborhood in Ipsy. Nice, big-ass houses. Never seen nothing like it ever in my life. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But he took us out the gutter. And showed us a different light, you know. And actually, that's that's the light I want to give to my children. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that's another thing that he has showed me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Showed you a different life, lifestyle. Exactly. A Fuck the hood. The hood don't get you nowhere, man. But killed or in prison, mm-hmm. or just stuck there doing nothing your whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. You know it, that shit really fucking grabs you and takes your soul. So I don't blame my mom, honestly, trying to keep us away from that. You know, because I'm trying to keep my kids away from that as far as possible, mm-hmm. period. But, you know, the best way to do that is having to be an example of that. You exactly. know what I'm saying? So if you're raising your kids and they listening to your music, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you explain that to them? Do you teach them that this is just music, this is not real life, or, you know, whatever it may be? Because, you know, you, you are your kids' first admiration, you know See, what I'm saying? Well, and, and everything that you do and the way you conduct yourself is the way that they're going to conduct themselves. So... With music, obviously, I present myself different than my music, but my music is an outcome of who I am. Mm-hmm. What I grew up around, what I saw 
and the normal things that I've lived. Mm-hmm. But my kids, they love music. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say they don't listen to my music, they don't hear my music. Mm-hmm. But I let them know that that's the life that I used to live and the mm-hmm. life that I've always known as a child that was the normality to me. Mm-hmm. You and know, that's the thing is just to teach them though. Exactly. Because if they just so, go with the music, you know what I'm saying, then they may believe that that's 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 who they're supposed to become, or that's what influences you know the decisions so, that they make. You so, know, me as an artist, even like that conflict with the song WAP when they talk about uh, would you let they asked uh, uh, Cardi B would you let your yeah, daughter she listen said no. to it. You, you know, know and, and, and there's just boundaries, there's a fine line. Exactly. See, I, I respect Cardi B for that one hundred percent because she has some very explicit fucking content. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I do not want my kids listening to that shit. But you're responsible That's, for that though. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. Like for example, the world is very corrupt. It's fucked up out there, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, uh uh I don't let my kids be on YouTube, not even YouTube kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't let that shit slide because all the nasty, disgusting people out there post them subliminal messages mm-hmm. and kid videos. And, 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 and you've been to prison and, and you've lived with these, these and predators. And I've lived with pedophiles and predators and pedophiles it's, it's and all this. It's fucking so. crazy. The, the shit that I've seen and heard in all of people's cases is it literally fucks me up and brings tears to my eyes, dude, because I have three fucking girls out here. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, if any motherfucker tried any of that grimy shit with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, even the situation with, up, uh, you know, thank God that she's home, Gloria Alvarado. You know what I mean? She was a girl that was missing for 71 days. You know, her family was in distress. She came up missing from Taylor. She was recently returned from home. But we see this all the time. Girls are coming up missing. And there's no trace, no trail. Like, the world is under surveillance. There's cameras on every corner. How can you not find these kids when they're coming up missing? You know what I'm saying? There's cameras on every corner, everywhere that you go. Like, how can you miss that? You know? So, you know, we definitely got to be more cautious about, you know, our kids in general. You know? And especially with the younger girls because, you know, there's predators out there. And uh, and they come dressed just regular, just and you wouldn't even know it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's important to educate your kids and, and yes. not be ignorant to the facts. Yes. Definitely. So so what is it that led you to prison and what did you learn in prison? So, you know, growing up without my father. So my mom split up with my stepfather when I was 10. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it, it, this impacted me a lot, too. Uh, she was cheating on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, scratch that shit. But, you know, she was doing her, and that, that fucked me up a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because that, then it that now, the, you gotta remember, I was so young, mm-hmm. so that kind of impacted me now, like as an adult, even with relationships with, with my wife. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it, I have trust issues because of my mom because mm-hmm. I seen my mom fucking tear our family apart mm-hmm. you know I didn't know a family with my mom and dad you know like I said mm-hmm. I was just born and then the one thing split. that you did have and then exactly. when they split up they split they up. took that away from you exactly and, you so know. I was like honestly I was like fuck that nigga I don't fuck with him at all but you know over the time and years they've been married 15 plus years now mm-hmm I do love him, but I love him more because it's the fact that he's the father of my other siblings. Mm-hmm. So my mom has like 11, 12 kids, and honestly, I don't even know the number because, like Damn. I mentioned, like I mentioned, she got a tribe, baby. Yes, she got a football team. Like I mentioned, my mom's me and her never had a real great relationship, and I don't know if it's because I look like my father. I resemble my father a lot, you know. So. And my mom suffers from mental illness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all that takes... takes you know, because a lot action. of these women, they carry a lot of resentment. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I looked just like my father. And, and you know, my mother and my father for years never got a chance to patch things up. And, and, and every time I got in trouble, like, my mom would, like, kick my ass. Like, 
beyond beyond uh, discipline. I'm talking about ass whoopings yes. as if she was taking everything she had towards my father and just took it out on me. My mom, you know what I'm saying? And my mom just she experienced a lot of trauma because my she, father used to beat her and you know things like that. So you know these are things that you know as a grown man I realize you know I don't I don't hold that resentment or them grudges against my mom because you know she was young, had kids. Your mother's young, had kids. You know you got women having kids and and, and really don't know how to be you know mothers. And then when you have so many kids, like in your situation, it's hard to give one child un- unconditional love or undivided attention. You know what I'm saying? So then that's when you kids wander off and they look for other people, other inspirations, other things to, trouble, you know. So what, what? how did you end up in prison, though? Like, so, what, is, what is it that got you to prison? And Look, not having a mom, not having a dad, my mom, me and her, we kind of fell off and had a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh when I was 12, she kind of basically kicked me out and forced me to go live with my step-grandma. Mm-hmm. And I love my step-grandma. She she was an awesome figure in my life, awesome mm-hmm. grandma. She, she loves me wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And I love her, such a sweet lady. And uh, so I we moved out. Listen, let me, let me backtrack. So we moved from the hood when my dad got locked up. We moved to Ipsy, my stepfather. When I, when I was seven, uh, 10 years old, my mom was cheating on my stepfather, mm-hmm. started messing with that other guy. Mm-hmm. Then we ended up moving to Inkster. Okay. And then from Inkster, we moved to Dearborn. Yeah, so so let, me, let me tell you something. Like, what was it like? like living All through Inkster, elementary Dearborn? school, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was part of the problem because I was always fighting, suspended all through grade school. Mm-hmm. I I, got, I was getting expelled since first grade. Los Americanos mm-hmm. over there on fucking Junction and St. Hedwig. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got expelled first grade. I this kid was running his mouth about my family. I picked up a Harito bottle. The, mm-hmm. For y'all that don't know, Harito is a it's like a Mexican it's a Mexican pop. It comes in a glass bottle, mm-hmm. just like the Coca Cola and Sprite mm-hmm. bottles. You see, I picked that motherfucker up. Like I smacked, yeah, I smacked dog in the face. First grade. What is that? Five years old. Man. You know what I'm saying? Six That's years young old. To be that violent though. The whole mouth busted, lips, teeth chipped. I fucked him up. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Uh, but honestly, it was just like a reaction. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't have time to think. I just reacted, mm-hmm. and like a, like you brought up, it was normal to me. You know what I'm saying? It's the normality of what I grew up around. So how how did that behavior impact you when you were in prison? Oh, man. So in prison, you know better than me and better than a lot of people, man. And I know I'm very educated and I know well about that shit. I did three and a half years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a dog-eat-dog world in there. It's a fucking jungle. Mm-hmm. Extortion, people getting killed, people getting... Harmed, great bodily harm, faces sliced open, stabbed, gang bang central, it, it, faces getting melted. Listen, I've seen, witness, I haven't done it, but I witnessed motherfuckers' faces melt off, getting hit with like uh, uh, cocoa Vaseline, butter, Vaseline, and whatever type of shit they could get from the yard, little rocks, broken glass, and throwing it in the cup, throwing that bitch in the microwave, industrial microwaves. Remember that industrial. These bitches top notch. You know what I'm saying? You could tur- you could cook a turkey in this bitch for 60 minutes and then splashing in somebody's face at the card table, huh? And dog be like, oh shit! And all you see is fucking just glob. This fucking thing just wipe right off his fucking face. Dog looking like Freddy Cooper. So, like, what... I mean, that so, can create trauma. You know, for somebody to have to... You know, for somebody in prison to see that, you know, that's traumatizing, but, like... How did you do your time? Were you productive? So, uh, Were you studious? Was you violent? Was I'm you not. Violent? I'm not gonna hold you up. Mm-hmm. I was in between. You know what I'm saying? For and then, one, and then when you go to the joint, like you gotta pick your flag up because your people gonna come to you. Like, bro, you, look, you know, you either with it or you I, ain't. I'm gonna you, know, t- you I'm roll gonna with you us something. and get rolled over. I don't know about the other organizations, but with ours, there ain't no falling back. You on count? You on count? Point blank. Period. You want to fall back? Okay. <laughs> you think shit's sweet? All right. I guarantee you, you're going to walk off that yard with your fucking face split open. You're going to be riding out in cuffs going somewhere to, all the way up north across that fucking bridge. 
So like what, during, what did you the, learn about so yourself during that time, though, cuz? I was trying to fix myself to come home to my daughter, my first daughter, Mila. She's seven years old now, but that was my main objective. I'm not going to hold you up. I was in that bitch. I was fucking shit up. I was tearing shit up. You know, whoever was in the joint with me, y'all know my name. My shit rang a couple bells around that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Word flew all the way from downstate to upstate. You know? Mm-hmm. But that shit. My daughter. If I, I, I couldn't thank my first daughter enough. If she never existed. Honestly, I had a 20-year tail, home invasion, first degree. I got sentenced to three and a half. I, I got sentenced to 36 months, but I did a year in the county, only got six months time served. So I ended up doing 42 months, three and a half years. But my motivation, everything was about my child. You know, mm-hmm. that was my main goal. I got to get home to my kid. You know, my so what did you do to prepare yourself? Like, so, I know prior to you going home, you were in the youth program with me over at Adrian. But what else did you do? So you know what I'm saying to to take them extra steps and measures to protect yourself and to protect your your freedom. You know, from going home and being with your daughter. So well, first though, let me explain. Unfortunately, I had to risk my freedom more than five, six times while being incarcerated because people push your buttons in there. You know, what? not only outsiders, oppositions, it'd be your own brothers. Your own fucking bros. Mm-hmm. I, I've called personals with the bros. I, I'm known with these bitches. I'm surgical with these. I heard you uh, were used to box, too. Yeah. And the reason, let's backtrack. The reason why I started boxing, I didn't box because I wanted to learn how to fight. I boxed because growing up when I didn't have no figures and all that shit, I dropped out of school in eighth grade. And I was on the block. I was out there heavy. 14-year-olds that were fucking playing video games and doing school and all that shit. Nigga, I was in the bars. Strip clubs, casinos, all the bars in the hood, knocking grown men out. 30, 40 years old getting slept by a 14-year-old. That is the reason why I started boxing. Mm -hmm. Because I had hands. I just hit hard. So you knew you could fight, so you wanted to cultivate the skill. That came from my father. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because my father taught us not to be no hoes. My pops used to have a scrap in the front yard. Remember, my pops got locked up. I was six, turning seven. So, how much life did I really have with my father? Mm-hmm. I was young out there, four, five, six years old, scrapping with my older cousins who was in the front yard banging. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, go out, get the fuck out there. You know what I'm saying? Throw them bitches. And, and, and you know, that's, that's just another flaw and the mentality that we had coming from the hood because, you know, people do it with dogs. They do it with their own kids. Like, you know, you teach them the wrong things. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you grow grow up thinking that violence is the only answer to your problems. And when you go to prison, you take that same belief system. Yeah. You know, but I beg to differ because when I learned diplomacy skills, I realized that when you have everybody's best interests at heart, it brings about peace. And when truth is on a manifest, falsehood will flee. You know? Yes. And I'll tell you so, what, when I applied that diplomatic uh, 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 communication on the yard, bro, my, my enemies became my allies. And they started to move mountains for me. And and all through pre, all through bringing peace. You know what I'm saying? So, when I actually ran into you, cuz, I was about a year and a half into my bit. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first came down... I see you was working out hard. Boy. Oh, yeah. Every day you was getting it I was in. out there. Mandos up. Hey. I made the bros do all they mandos. Mm-hmm. They got upset because I was doing mandos with outsiders. So I started doing mandos with them niggas and still did my mandos. I worked mm-hmm. out seven days a week, no sleep, so nigga. You had personal mandos. Period. You personal had house call and mandos. house call mandos. <laughs> Period. Nigga, you in prison, you ain't got shit to do in that bitch. You know what I'm saying? But work out, beat your dick, and stay about your own business. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's if you want to go home. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I wanted to come home to my children. Well, my one child. I only have one at the time. I'm going to come home to my child. I needed to be there because her mother figure isn't the greatest role model. And every fucking child needs a father figure. And I'm saying that from the lack of my own father figure that was replaced by my stepfather that was 
a great father figure to me. And that's one of the things that I learned that a child needs his father figure. Period. Absolutely, yeah. You know, boy, girl, point blank. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You need your father. And a father isn't just the nigga that provides and pays the bills and it's in the picture. A father is somebody who pays the bills and provides but spends time with his family. Absolutely. I've been home two years. I've been to the bar twice. My big brother's birthday and my sister-in-law's birthday. Mm I don't fuck around with niggas, bro. I ain't got time for these people. I'm out here to live for my kids. And I want my kids to have the life that I never fucking had. You feel yeah, me? yeah, for sure. Bro. I want my kids to have what I, what I like in life. One of, the, one of the biggest reasons why, you know, shout out to my wife, Monica Mendez. I love my wife. I kind of did what I've accomplished since I've been home from prison without her. Mm-hmm. You know, she kept me straight, she gave me my motivation, I had more responsibility, taking care of her, and also my stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. Bro, I came home from the joint with nothing. I had to support my family, my big brother, my pops. But I was intruding at my brother's house. He has his own family, he has a wife, he has three kids. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a burden. I had to get the fuck out of there. I got out of there in like two months of being home. I started working after like two, three weeks. I went straight to the temp agency. I didn't give a fuck what the pay was. I was making nine bucks an hour. Nine dollars an hour. Working 60 hours a week. Why? Because I wanted to be there for my child. I wanted to do better for myself. I wanted to... I learned from my mistakes, dog. And I don't understand how... I really don't get how people don't learn from going to the joint. And they go back, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's they don't got motivation or, you know, I unfortunately, I know a lot of people don't have nobody out here. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel bad for them. I'm a genuine dude. I have a big heart. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of love for people. And I, also, I give my trust to people off rip, you know what I'm saying? As mm-hmm. I should. Until you prove me you faulty, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I have no other choice but to respect you and trust you 100%. How much of your life do you put into your music? Man, listen. My music, it all comes from the fucking soul. I tell y'all that. It comes from my struggle, my life, what I've been through as a child, as an adult, teenage. And not only me, it's for, music is for the people. You know what I'm saying? That's my biggest thing is I want to reach people. I want people to feel my pain because they relate to it. I want people to be like, damn, that's my story. You feel me? Like... Oh, what what, what inspired the song Vows? So Vows was inspired by basically my life. You know, the homies I lost that got put under the ground, rest in peace. That I still fucking, I'm hurt to this day, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the homies that I had that's in the joint doing years, time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, time yeah. is time, but I'm talking about I meatballs. Love the song. It's definitely you know, man. these guys got years, decades on their head. Mm-hmm. That shit... It, it's, I couldn't imagine, you know, especially like you, cuz, 17 years. Yeah. But look at you. You came home. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Big ups. Cuz. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Love you, man. That's real shit right there. We gon' make it. Man, we hey, gon' make it. It makes me it. so happy to know that my people out here doing their fucking thing. This is my family. This is my blood. Sangre, nigga. A uh, big shout out to my brother, man, at LA Landscaping LLC. You know, yeah. when the season comes up, man, show my, my brother some love. You know, he, he definitely taking care of his business, man. And, uh, you know, big shout out to my man BY at, at, at Legendary Barber Lounge. We got Jimmy the Barber in the house today. And a uh, big shout out to my man Jose Rivera at, at Detroit Forever 313. That's my man. Go get you some gear, you know, get fresh. He even got some jogging suits for the ladies. You had to go pick my baby up the golden black one. She's going to look good in him. Whoa. <laughs> you know? But yeah, man, if you love your lady, man, you know, make sure that you show her in every way, man. Valentine's sure, man. Day coming, ain't it? Yeah. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. They've been tricking me for years, though, with Sweetest Day. I never knew Sweetest Day was for men and Valentine's Day was for girls. I know they try to play that shit right. And they, I know they more. I'm like conscious they now. Man, Sweetest Day come, you better break bread or play dead. No, <laughs> <laughs>
But yeah, man. Uh, so we 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 back. We got my cousin Xavier here. You know, he did one of his performances. Uh, you know, it was definitely a heartfelt song. Everything in it was real. You know what I'm saying? So tell me, like, what inspired the song? Tell us a little bit about Break It Down. So the song came from the song's about my life, and it's a project. It's not finished. I just wanted to give y'all that sneak peek because it relates to everything that we're speaking about. You know, and I know if you came from where I came from, you will relate to this, period. I'm trying to send that message and that story. I'm trying to give the opportunity for them people that lived the life that I lived and came from where I came from for their life to be heard, mm-hmm. you know, which is real shit and which is fucking music. Mm-hmm. You know that's what makes music is, and, and, and I want and I want people to understand, man, that when we talk about the things that we've seen, the things that we have experienced when it comes to violence, sex, gangs, drugs, murder, all those things, I don't speak on them to glorify them. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling the story about the real life, third world country behavior mentality that we live in in in, in the United States of America, here in Southwest Detroit, in all of Detroit, and cities like New York and Chicago and Indiana and Ohio, like, you know, California, Texas, and so many more where we had communities with mentalities like this. You know what I'm saying? My life, my background, my story is happening all over the world, Mm -hmm. the country, the state. Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there with the same background. But, but we tell the story because we want you guys to see the growth. That there is a way out. That there are there other is. options. You know what I'm Look, saying? When I was in prison, I took the masonry concrete trade. Look at me now. I'm in the 1191 Labor's Union. <laughs> okay, then, boy. Top dollar. Mm-hmm. I'm getting paid what people go to school for for four or five years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Out there putting in hard manual labor. I'm out there working. I'm providing for mines. But I'm so appreciative and glad that the the MDOC actually had the opportunity for convicts and people with these fucked up backgrounds to try to better themselves, to come home mm-hmm. to something mm-hmm. with a career, with a trade, to better themselves when they came home. Because without that, bro, I wouldn't be able to fuck them at. So, so when you were in them classes with me, like for years, for multiple years before I, I, I facilitated um, life skills curriculum, I had taken all these classes first. And I'll tell you what, man, before, before you, can, you can even hold a job or be a father or even just learn how to be a decent human being, you have to learn some life skills. You Period. need to learn communication skills, Blank. critical thinking skills, parenting skills, listening skills, cage of rage, boundaries, like they, all these classes. All, um, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, NA. Like I, I, I didn't even think that I would be able to relate and teach a class like AANA because I personally had never been a drug addict. But, but when I went there and I gave it a shot, like, bro, I made such an impact in that class and vice versa. They, I, I, I learned a lot from them. I grew a lot from them, and they grew they, a lot from me. You know, it really all boils down to the critical thinking process mm-hmm. because it's all about irrational, rational thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, if you gotta, it's a thinking process. You gotta sit there and reflect. You gotta take that shit in and think. Okay, if I'm about to react this way, what the outcome's gonna be? Mm-hmm. And that's what I really learned from you in that class, bridging the gap, mm-hmm. because. You heard I was in level two. You was in level one. I was ringing bells in level one. Mm-hmm. My name was getting rang over there. Oh, ask this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you taught me these skills to use my thinking process mm-hmm. and realize that if I'm going to go through with this stupid-ass decision, what's going to result from that? Yeah, what are the I'm, consequences? You're going to get a flop. Who's all going to be affected You know, And this? not only myself... Mm-hmm. Okay, I could be playing cards in the game room. You know, I rotate. I'm with the bros. So mm-hmm. all my actions reflects on the bros. Mm-hmm. So if I look like a clown, my fucking bros look like a clown. Mm-hmm. If I look like a soldier, my bros mm-hmm. look like a soldier. I hold it down, period. Mm-hmm. So, but, but that same commitment that you, that you hold for your flag, 
Now you hold it for your family and your household. That same commitment, that same devotion, that same energy, that same loyalty, um, um, you know, being faithful. You know what I'm saying? Like these are all things that are qualities of a man. You know, in these classes, we talked about the difference between ego and pride and being a man and just being a male, you know, and, 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 and we learn a lot of things about ourselves. We learn a lot about life. We learn about other people. You learn how to forgive. You learn how to think. You learn how to communicate. Like these are life skills that I think that they should even teach in schools. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, there was correctional officers that I felt needed to come into my classes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because some of them were just as bad as some yeah. of the prisoners. Yeah. You know? But, but like I said, when I, when I stopped waking up, looking at, at, at life as, as I was a prisoner and waking up in prison, I started waking up as a student and looking at life like I was in college. Lessons. I started to learn everything, bro. I started to learn everything all day, no. every day. And when I just quit putting down books that other people read and started looking at the book that God read for me, you know what I'm saying? That God wrote for me, that made me, because we all are chapters. We're made of chapters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And once I got to know myself, I got to know God. And once I got to know God and got to know myself, I got to know what what the world, you know, the world started to make sense to me, you know? Because of you, you helped me, honestly, think a lot of shit through before I acted in prison. Mm-hmm. I, I was in there acting the fool. I ain't gonna hold y'all up. Mm-hmm. I came home on my ERD, earliest release date. Thank God to this man. Honestly, because... But, you know, give yourself credit, cuz. I, I did. You know? I put in that work. Yeah, you put in the work. It was bro. hard. I had to bite my tongue a lot. But mm-hmm. I still held my fucking ten toes down, point blank, period. And, and it was worth it, though. It, it, was, it was worth it. You know, I, I let quite a few things slide. I had to bite my tongue, bite my lips, suck my pride in. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But a but, lot of that comes from that misguided loyalty, you know, that thing that we define as ego exactly. and pride and, and ethics and circumstantial <laughs> acceptance and social acceptance because, like I said, prison is a world of its own. It has its own rules and regulations. It has its own code of ethics. Yeah. And, and, and that's truly a place where you either roll with it or get rolled over. You know yeah. what I mean? Ride the waiver drum. Point blank period. Yeah. But, but also, you know, people like us who have taken advantage of of the experience of the classes of all the opportunities and and we invested in ourselves and we became better you know we became better we became better people we had uh, uh, better priorities we had a different value system now a new belief system the way you look at fatherhood the way that you you're grateful for life the way that you value work and work ethics and doing things the right way like brother you are an asset to the community let me baby. say something but 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 let me tell you this, the knowledge is to be obtained, but the lifestyle is to be maintained. You don't just obtain it once and then just let it roll out. Love has to be constantly renewed. Education has to be constantly renewed. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so it's important that you always do soul searching. You always evaluate, you know what I'm saying, with yourself and then with your immediate family and then with the rest of the world to make sure that everything is in tune. I agree with that. Because he's such a wise person, you know, and I, I appreciate all the jewels that you drop on I me. Mean, and you not only impacted my life, because I can promise you, and I know this for a fact, you've impacted multiple hundreds of lives mm-hmm. in prison as a facilitator, mm-hmm. as a person that came from that background to preach. There's a lot of young kids in prison coming down 7, 10, 12, 15, 20 years and better. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. and same position that you're in. And that's you know, what I used to say. I always used to tell myself, if my sons, which God forbid, if my sons ever went to prison, I hope that there's somebody like me there to guide them, you know what I'm saying, and navigate them. I would have never had the thinking process that I have now if it wasn't for you and the class that I was taking. My man, I'm telling Flat you. Flat out. I, point blank, period. Let me tell y'all. So what's I, the future looking like for for Xavier Mendez, and what's the future looking like for cashing over JDP half of their boss? Man, I'm out here doing my thing, bro. You know, life took course. I've been home two years. I, I just got off parole. My man, yeah, congratulations Yeah, walked that, that bitch down. Man, that got to feel 24 good. months. 
six months GPS tether. Mm -hmm. Oh, you yeah. did the tether walk too. Yeah. Don't you got a thing on YouTube or something or something? Yeah. Man, you had the, I, the little tether walk you was doing. I did the little, uh, I, did, I remixed that plug walk. I did a little tether walk. For all the homies out there on Tether that be out here on that little slide shit. <laughs> but something shit ain't gotta be explained, y'all know what it is. But uh yeah, it's just a shout out for all them that experience that it, it fucking sucks being on Tether, bro. Mm -hmm. That's just horrible. Yeah. Well mm -hmm. my case I had a home invasion, first mm -hmm. degree, so I couldn't go anywhere. The only time I had I didn't even have personal time out. To get haircuts and shit like that for, for me. Call Jimmy I, the barber. He'll man, pull up on hey. Well, yeah, I had to hey. finesse, you know what? Shout out. Yeah. Jimmy Rosario, baby. Might have yeah. to cut you up tonight hey. to get you together. My bro, dog. Cole. Shout out. Go see bro, man. Yeah, Jimmy Rosario the barber, man. Yeah, look him up on Facebook. He out there. So, listen, it's that time where, uh, yeah. you know, we have all our guests sign the Wall of Fame. So, you know, I got, I got, I got Cuz over here, man, and we're going to add his name to the Wall of Fame over here. Love. Appreciate y'all staying tuned, participating, supporting all that good yeah. stuff. And it got me upset. Living in that very tell American dream. Killing when you walking with that gangsta lean. Even though you know they go, they all This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.